It gives me great pleasure to welcome Moya Green, Chief Executive Officer of Royal Mail, to the Canadian Club of Toronto. Despite having to cross several time zones to reach us, Ms. Green, of course, is no stranger to these parts. Born in Newfoundland, she established herself as a formidable Canadian leader before venturing across the pond to Great Britain. Being connected to one another is as vital and important today as it was in 1517 when the Royal Mail, the world's oldest postal service, was founded. But the challenge which faces all mail delivery services is how to change and remain relevant and viable in an area of instantaneous communication. Despite the decline of pen pals and weekly letters home to mom, rising fuel and labor costs, and the advent of e-cards and electronic bills, the statutory universal service obligation to deliver the mail continues. Prior to joining Royal Mail in July 2010, Ms. Green was President and CEO of Canada Post Corporation. It should be noted that during her tenure, Canada Post was profitable. She has considerable experience at the highest levels of some prominent Canadian corporations, among them CN, TD Securities, CIBC, and Bombardier. She's currently a director of the board of our beloved Tim Hortons. It is that experience and her considerable drive and determination that made her an obvious choice for the list of Canada's top 40 female corporate executives and one of Canada's most influential women. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming to the Canadian Club of Toronto our very special guest, Ms. Moya Green. Thank you very much, Nicholas. That was a, a lovely uh, introduction, and I, I wish one-tenth of it were true. Um, it's a great pleasure for me always to come home. You know, Canada is home. I, I love the UK, and my time in the UK thus far has been both interesting and, and wonderful, but, um, you know, Canada is and, and always will be home. As Nicholas mentioned, uh, it's a daunting thing to take on an iconic entity like the Royal Mail, which has uh, been around uh, since Charles I. He created a letters office for missives within the land. Um, and uh, that was the first national universal service uh, in the world. And so 400 years later, lots has changed. Um, I knew a little bit about the business, as Nicholas said, because I had run Canada Post. But Canada Post, you know, we all have challenges with uh, declining letter volumes. But Canada Post does not have uh, in any way, shape, or form the sort of challenges that had beset the Royal Mail. Tradition is a wonderful thing, and it is a great source of pride to lead an iconic entity like the Royal Mail but sometimes it gets in the way too. Uh, sometimes it prevents needed change, timely change. And you know, 
many people still write to me in the UK to tell me that the service is rubbish, which is a great British word. The service is rubbish because they remember when we used to deliver three times a day and that they could get their post before breakfast and again, you know, before their tea in the afternoon. Uh, and so on that, I suppose, measure, uh, because we deliver once a day, uh, I suppose uh, it has gone downhill. The government in the United Kingdom has known for a very long time that government ownership did not suit this commercial entity called the Royal Mail. The first attempt to free the company to receive outside capital was, oh, I guess 40 years ago, and many attempts have failed. I believe this government, Mr. Cameron's government, has far greater likelihood of success than any of the other previous attempts. And because the government has been determined from the first Queen's speech to allow the company to have access to private capital, the government has finally been prepared to do the things, the many things, that will allow the company to deserve private capital. I'd like to tell you a few things about the Royal Mail that will probably surprise you. The first is the scale of the business. This is a nine billion pound business, and it is a business. It has a vast network. It has the responsibility to pick up mail from 80,000 businesses and 115,000 pillar boxes, that's what we call them in the UK, every day, and in the case of the pillar boxes, twice a day, whether there's anything in the pillar box or no. We have to pick up uh, everywhere in the UK, and we have to deliver 59 million items every day, six days a week, overnight delivery to 29 million addresses with the highest minimum standard in the world at 93% on-time delivery. So, you know, to people who remember three deliveries a day, it's probably rubbish. But to me, from Canada, I say it is still, despite all of its challenges, the very best service in the world. The company has had a regulatory approach unlike anything else in the world. In fact, it was that regulatory approach that was almost the proximate cause of death, in my opinion, to the Royal Mail. Before the company had an opportunity to modernize, before the company had the necessary capital to modernize, the government in the UK liberalized the postal business. It liberalized the postal business just in time to see one of the fastest declines in any business ever. So it is, I think, a reasonable question to ask, how sensible was it to induce new competitors into a declining business? And how sensible was it when the Royal Mail was struggling and spending literally billions of pounds to take sortation capacity out of the system in response to the decline in letters, how sensible was it for the regulator 
to incent new players into sortation by guaranteeing those new players a margin at the expense of the Royal Mail. Well, the predictable happened. Within a four-year period, the Royal Mail lost 50% of business mail in the UK. These companies made money at the expense of the Royal Mail. On the other hand, the regulator made the Royal Mail deliver the competitor's mail. And to deliver the competitor's mail at a price that was set by the regulator, and that price ensured that the Royal Mail lost 120 million pounds a year on every piece of mail that it delivered for the competitors. Not surprisingly, when I came to the company, I knew that one of the things that would have to change was that regulatory approach, or this company would never have access to outside capital. Over a 10-year period, Royal Mail had lost 50,000 employees. Our people were demoralized. They could not understand why this regulatory approach had been taken. That was the regulatory approach for the letters business. Thankfully, the Royal Mail is also a very big player in the parcels business. As you know, from Canada and everywhere, there are many, many players in the parcels business. In the UK alone, there are 50 national players and hundreds of local and regional players. Only one player was regulated, the Royal Mail. The Royal Mail's prices were price controlled and price controlled at such a low level that not only did we lose money on every single parcel and packet that we delivered, it was actually impossible for half of the UK parcels market to make money. And today, only two or three national players are profitable. The regulatory approach had actually distorted pricing for the whole market. Not surprisingly, the financial situation of the Royal Mail that I inherited was very, very fragile. The company had been cash negative for about six years. The company was losing money in its core business. Over a four-year period, it had lost more than a billion pounds. And as I mentioned, the regulatory model was such that it had no way to make money in any business. It had a huge pension deficit, something that I knew a little bit about because we had some of the same problems at Canada Post, but the scale was really uh, on a different level. It had a 10 billion pound pension deficit. The company was insolvent. We were doing going concern determinations at the board level every month. Any of you in business who've ever been, you know, party to a going concern determination, you know just how difficult that can be on an organization, how it can stretch an organization. The company had had no access to outside capital. It had just begun a modernization program that was undercapitalized. And uh, that modernization program had yet to yield benefits. So that was the company that I inherited. Two years later, because of the government's desire to free the company and to allow it to have access to outside capital, Mr. Cameron's government has taken some very, very difficult but essential steps. 
The pension deficit has been removed from our balance sheet, and a further restructuring of our balance sheet has been done, such that when Mr. Osborne stood up a few weeks ago to deliver his budget address, uh, the pension historical deficit had been moved to the government's balance sheet, and we had had our deal with Treasury approved by the European uh, Union and Commission. So that's now done. The balance sheet is now corrected, and we had our first board meeting last week, which did not require a going concern determination. So we are now solvent. As a result of two uh, price rises, both of them have been controversial, but they were necessary. As a result of two price rises that we have put in place last year and this year, the company is now cash positive for the first time in many years. We have reduced the losses in the core business by about 65%. And I think that we should, if we are fortunate with the price increase, if the elasticities go the way I think they're going to go, uh, I think that we should be profitable in the core business, perhaps by the end of this calendar year. So there is light at the end of the tunnel. We have to obviously keep our eye on our costs, and we have done that. I mentioned that we have uh, reduced employment in the Royal Mail, sadly, because when we talk efficiency, there's a human face to efficiency. And it was very hard for our people to see that they could not serve out their lives with the Royal Mail and to see new competitors come on stream taking mail from this system, the universal service provider, by being able to cherry pick. Obviously, they did not have to go to the 29 million addresses. But we have continued to really control our costs. Last year alone, another 5,400 people sadly had to leave the Royal Mail, and 2,000 of those were in the management cadre. I would say that uh, we are doing well with the modernization program. It's a very difficult program. We have taken 12 sortation facilities out of our system in the past year. Thankfully, our relationship with our union is pretty good. I've been able to do that without having an interruption. An interruption would be uh, very, very poor uh, given the state of the business generally and the state of the economy. Uh, but, you know, it was not always the way. As you probably know, uh, I have a legendary union, uh, the CWU. Thankfully, they understand the business uh, very well. But, you know, in order to get the ability to modernize the company, we have had to, in the past, uh, bear a, a couple of strikes. That has not been the case in the past two years, and I, I hope uh, that it will not be the case in the future. We have a plan. The government has asked me to prepare the company to uh, present itself to investors for capital before the end of 2013. And so we are working at breakneck speed to do everything that we have to do in order to meet the government's timetable. Let us hope that the market is receptive. Uh, we were talking at our table about the Eurozone it is probably one of the most complex markets for anyone to read today. I can tell you, though, the company will do everything in our power as a board and an executive team 
and the government has already indicated that it will do everything reasonable in their power to put the company in a position to at least present a compelling case to investors. Whether the market is receptive uh, at that time, you know, it only remains to be seen. So I would say that we are on a good path now. Uh, there's no doubt that as far as our people are concerned, I'm out in the field about 15% of the time. Uh, it's more upbeat today than it was 22 months ago. People feel that getting rid of that punitive regulatory regime was a, a great uh, step forward. People feel that the company can now uh, chart a course that will be successful. I'm going to tell you a few facts about the Royal Mail's revenue that you probably don't know. People are always saying to me, you know, isn't that a dead business? How do you expect to have access to outside capital? And I say, well, you need to understand the revenue mix of the Royal Mail. Less than 40% of our revenues come from letters. Less than 40%. 25% of our revenues do not come from the UK. We have three parcel companies in the Royal Mail, one in the core foot network, another parcel force. Parcel force is one of the most profitable uh, parcel companies in the UK. And we have a jewel of a parcel company that operates in the rest of Europe called GLS. It's probably the most profitable privately held parcel and logistics company in the world. 55% of our revenues today are in parcels and packets. We have another billion pounds of revenue in media, in direct marketing mail. These are the two businesses that will be the source of growth for the Royal Mail. And the entire modernization program that we have underway in delivery is to prepare our people to deal with this changing traffic mix. Fewer envelopes, more parcels and packets. You cannot carry parcels and packets of those volumes on your back or on a bicycle. So I've sadly had to say the bicycles have to go. And you know, more and more of our people are going to have to find themselves doing their rounds with vans, with small vans. So that is the modernization program that's underway. We have about one-third of all delivery offices. We have 1,400 delivery offices in the Royal Mail. One-third of them have already been enabled to take this traffic. There's no question that this is wrenching change for our people. Our people are used to having a lot of autonomy on their routes. They're used to being on foot. They're used to being out early. They're used to being finished early. Now, in order to be a premier parcel delivery company, they're going to have to be in vans. The start times and the end times are going to be different than they are today. But there is a very strong future for Royal Mail people in this business. Why do I say that? I say that because we already have 37% of the market in the UK. And with the price increases that I have just instituted, we will still be the value proposition in the UK. And so I'm very optimistic about the business. In the direct media business, I, people say, well, you know, media is moving online. 
Yes, that's true, but not really for very long and not for everything. The highest return on marketing spend today is not online, it's not posters, it isn't broadcasters. The highest return on marketing spend is in fact a very cleverly designed piece of mail. I like to tell people that when Google wanted to acquire customers in the UK, they used the Royal Mail. So with that as the, uh, you know, I, I think that outlines pretty clearly where we're headed. We will be the premier delivery and media company in the UK. I think we're already on our way. And our presence in the market by the scores of our customers is very high. And when companies like Sky News trying to market their new Formula One station come to the Royal Mail and let the Royal Mail look after that first piece of customer acquisition, I think that tells you that there is a very strong place for the Royal Mail in media as well. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to talk about my favorite topic. And watch this space at the end of 2013, and let's see uh, how well we go in getting capital into the Royal Mail. Thanks a lot. Ms. Green, on behalf of the Canadian Club, I'd like to thank you very much for coming to address the club today at lunch. I can say, boy, I'm sure the royal change has certainly changed since 1576. Having enjoyed a, a very stimulating and energetic conversation with Moya at lunch, I'm sure the government still doesn't know quite what hit it when you arrived two years ago. <laughs> but I'm sure they're thrilled with the results. It's pretty incredible. In less than two years, you've managed to, one, bring the company to solvency, two, bring cash positive results, and three, it looks like you're almost on the verge of profitability, which, as many of you in this room would know, bringing that kind of change in an old and dusty organization is no small feat. So congratulations. And I am sure if the government is successful in privatizing this asset, it will because, be because Ms. Green has really made the tough decisions that need to be made leading up to that type of an endeavor. So thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us here today. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. And I'm sure we'll all be uh, reading with interest uh, to see what happens with the Royal Mail. Thank you. Thank you very much, Susan. And thanks again, Ms. Green. I was captivated. It was very, very uh, interesting and uh, informative. So this concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We continue to be grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their promotion of Canadian Club events. To learn more about the Canadian Club and our upcoming events, please visit us at www.canadianclub.org. Thank you all for joining us. This meeting is now adjourned. Thank you.